You can turn then for our sermon text for today to the beginning of the Bible again, Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24, uh, starting in verse 29. We read the first part of the chapter last week, but we still have quite a bit to read today because this is a long chapter given much attention in this book uh, to the marriage of Isaac and Rebekah. But I'll begin in verse 29, reading through verse 67. So listen now uh, to what happens. Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man. And behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in. O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord, before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And, I, and if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, Please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, Drink, and I will draw for your (coughs) camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, Please let me drink. She, she quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, 
The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. Then Abraham's servant heard their words. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Yet let the young woman remain with us a while, at least ten days. After that she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah their sister and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lacheroi and was dwelling in the Negeb. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray for God's blessing upon his word. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for right, delivering to us this word for our instruction, for our training in righteousness. We pray that you would convict us by your word and build us up unto holiness and comfort. We pray that you would give us a true understanding, that you would direct this preaching to be faithful to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday, uh, we had looked at the first part of this chapter, which is essentially repeated by the servants telling uh, Rebecca's family what had happened. So we almost hear it all over again, although there will be there's some slight variations. But we had learned that God had led Abraham's servant to the house of Abraham's nephew, Bethuel, and his daughter, Rebekah, who was an attractive young woman, a virgin, one who had shown generosity and kindness to the servant while he was yet a stranger, before she knew who he was. Much like Abraham and Sarah and Lot had shown hospitality to strangers who had come their way. But the servant's mission was not done yet. He certainly had given thanks that he had found the the type of person that he was looking for. Uh, God had blessed his labors, but the mission was not done. Would her father consent to the proposed marriage? Would she consent herself and leave her homeland? Would Isaac receive her? 
in this passage, uh, Rebecca and her father and her brother and her mother, uh, they all learn the backstory. They are informed in what just happened, and then they respond. And as you can guess from the title, and you probably have heard the story before, you know where it's going to go. It, it ends with uh, a marriage. So here comes the bride. But first, let's look at the first question that would arise in verse 29 through 53. Would Rebecca's father, and it turns out brother as well, uh, consent to this marriage? First, Laban, which is the brother of Rebecca, uh, hears what happens, sees the, the jewelry that uh, the servants had given Rebecca, and earnestly runs to him and shows the servant hospitality and gives him food, uh, washes his feet, provides a place for his camels, and also provides for his men. Uh, You know, hospitality to strangers is something that appears as a mark of a a godly person. Hospitality to your relatives or your relative servant is, is a kind that it's kind of a minimal expectation, uh, but at least Laban shows that. This is a good thing for Laban to do. We don't know his motives, although judging from his character later on in Genesis, maybe it was that jewelry that he saw that was particularly uh, motivating to him. But he, he shows hospitality and sets the table for this servant. But does the servant start to eat? No, he doesn't eat yet until his business is accomplished. It was very typical at that time throughout the ancient world to first eat and then get to your business. In fact, in some stories from the time, you would not even learn the person's name until they ate, and then you would ask them who they were, what they were about. But in this case, the servant doesn't want to delay. He wants to get down to business before he eats. He was a faithful servant. He took his oath seriously. He wasn't a people pleaser doing mere eye service, and then when he was out from the eyes of his master, uh, slacking off and do what he wants. Rather, he was diligent. Uh, even when he was far away from his master, and no one would have blamed him, I think, for going ahead and eating. But he was one who walked in the fear of God and in faithfulness to his master. Now, the servant. Uh, then appropriately seeks to persuade Rebecca's father and her family to agree to this proposed marriage. Uh, He did not sneak away with her. He did not try underhanded methods, uh, but he was upfront about his intentions. We already saw earlier the involvement of Isaac's father in the marriage, Abraham, who sent him to begin with, but here we see the role of, uh, of the bride's father. Now, in this case, her father, Bethuel, seems to have been minimally involved, kind of in the background. The only thing that he does is answer this matter about consent to the marriage, but it's probably significant that his name does show up there. Perhaps Bethuel was old, and Laban had already begun to manage things for him. Laban is certainly taking an active role. Both Bethuel and Laban answer in the matter of consent to this marriage. In biblical language, a bride is given in marriage by her father. We saw last week from Jeremiah 29, where God tells the people, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. 
Marriage, indeed, is a closer bond than that between parent and child. We learn that from Genesis 2. Uh, But it should be entered into uh, with the father's consent. There may be exceptions to that rule in certain cases. Uh, For example, if a father insists that his daughter only marry a papist. Uh, But that's the normal rule. Fathers are told in Jeremiah to give their daughters in marriage. And fathers are also told in Deuteronomy to not give their daughters to Canaanites, uh, to unbelievers, uh, to wicked men. So they should not hinder marriages without just cause, nor consent to bad marriages. Both of these would be heirs, and they would do well to prepare and to help their daughters enter into good marriages and thereby give them to good men. Now, not only is it just and right, we could appeal to the case law of the Old Testament as well, but it's also simply wise to seek the consent of the woman's father, indeed her whole family if possible. It's wise to have a good relationship from the start with your future in-laws, to respect them. You might think Rebecca's going to go far from her family. Does it really matter if they burned bridges here with this family? But of course, Jacob is later going to need a wife, and where is he sent? Back to Laban. It's good that they had left on good terms. So the servant seeks to to gain the consent here of of Bethuel and Laban, and he does so by explaining his mission in a persuasive manner. Um, He tells how the Lord blessed Abraham. He speaks of how Abraham had made Isaac the sole heir. So it sounds almost like something from a Jane Austen novel. You know, this is one who is very uh, good spouse for your daughter, The Lord has blessed him, and Abraham gave directions specifically not to seek a wife from the Canaanites, but from your family, or from your clan at least, the people that live here. Not only that, but the Lord had guided him to this place and blessed his labors and brought him providentially to Rebekah. And so as the Lord had led the servant in the right way, or literally faithfully, as God had led him faithfully, So, Rebecca's family is asked then to show steadfast love and faithfulness to Abraham. If you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me not to twist your arm. Uh, This is something that would be shown by those who are in covenant, but also uh, something that often would be shown by kinsmen, by those who are relatives bound together by that tie. Now, Laban and Bethuel recognize the blessing of the Lord. And so they say, we, we can't answer you one way or the other, and we, we, we have to give our consent. And, and we do so. Go and, and take her. So God, again, had prospered the labors of this faithful servant. And what does the servant do, just as he had done before? He says, wow, I'm so smart. I really got this done. Is that what he says? No. He bows before the Lord and worships him. He gives praise to God who had blessed him, his Labors. God is a God of providence who arranges all the details of your labors and the decisions that others might make. And so then the servant provides rich and valuable presents as the, what's sometimes called the bride price. Not a great term because it sounds like she's just being purchased like anything else. Uh, but it was also, you could also call it a dowry or engagement present. In the Bible, the primary dowry was given by the groom or his family to the bride's father, often then given as a dowry to the bride herself. 
here, perhaps because Rebecca was going far away, it seems to be kind of divided up. Some's given to Rebecca, and some is given to her brother and mother. And so they finally get to eat, and then they sleep, because it was evening uh, when he had come to Rebecca in the first place. So finally they get to eat after all this has been arranged, and then they go to bed. But then the next morning, the next question arises. Will Rebecca consent to this marriage and leave her land and go to Isaac? They're still in Mesopotamia. And this was the question that had occurred to the servant before he had left. He had told Abraham, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. This is a long ways away. It's not like they could come by and visit every Thanksgiving. Uh, it was uh, so perhaps they would never see each other again. Uh, would the woman really leave her father's house and her country to go to marry Isaac? We see this in verses 51 through 61. The next morning, the servant wakes up without delay, and he wants to leave without delay, but Rebecca's brother and mother want to uh, delay. They want to delay a while. We later find that Laban, you know, her brother, could be a bit crafty in getting people to stay and getting the most out of them. Remember Laban and Jacob. Jacob's going to end up staying a lot longer in Mesopotamia than he wanted to because of Laban. So perhaps we have a hint of that here. They say, oh, we want her to stay a while, at least 10 days. Maybe they're thinking more than 10 days. But the servant will have no delay. Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. He knew that it was key to bring Rebekah out of Mesopotamia because he was not uh, allowed to bring Isaac there. He did not want to get ensnared there after the Lord had prospered his way. And so Rebekah is called for. Rebekah comes, and they ask him not merely about they ask Rebecca not merely about the timing. Do you want to go now? The servant's going, so it's now or never. Are you willing to go with this man? That is, to go with this man and get married to Isaac. Are you willing? Are you willing to leave your country and your father's house and travel with this man to marry Isaac in another land? Rebecca dis- responded decisively. I will go. She willingly consented to the marriage, and she left her homeland. By making this choice, she acted like Abraham. Had we seen someone leave his country and his father's house and to go to the land which God would show him? She is being much like Abraham here, and by this choice, she cast in her lot with Abraham and his people. She had heard of the Lord's blessing upon Abraham and his household and his servant, and so joins herself to them by going with this servant. And so she sent off. Her parents, it seems, give her some young women to go with her, and her nurse, the one who had probably cared for her as, as a child. We later learn her name. Uh, the nurse's name was Deborah. And uh, they are sent off with the servant and his men, and the family blesses her. Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. What a multi-generational vision that they have in mind here for Rebecca. What a, uh, a blessing. And this blessing would come true. It was much like the blessings that Abraham and Isaac had already received, almost identical. 
The Lord had promised this and would raise up this offspring through Rebekah. So we can learn a few things from this part of the passage. Learn from this example how the consent of the bride and groom is important in marriage. Uh, Children should give due consideration to their parents' counsel, but also parents must not force their children to marry against their will. Not only would it be unwise, but it would also be wrong and against the nature of marriage. Marriage must be between a man and woman who can give their consent and who do give their consent to make this covenant with one another. But also see from the blessing given to Rebecca that offspring is one purpose of marriage. Offspring is one end for which marriage was designed. Offspring is one blessing of marriage to be sought, to be prayed for. Marriage is ordained for the, both the procreation and the training of children. As our confession of faith says, marriage was ordained for the increase of mankind with a legitimate issue and of the church with a holy seed. For that purpose as well as for the mutual help of husband and wife and as a remedy against immorality. When a marriage is blessed with children and they are raised well, it proves a blessing to mankind, to the church, to one's country, to one's family. It multiplies the image of God in the earth. As Psalm 127 says, children are like the arrows in the hand of a warrior, so that he will not be put to shame when he encounters his enemies in the gates. If you want to possess the gates of your enemies, it helps to have a lot of children. God has promised that Christ and his church will possess the gates of their enemies. He had promised Abraham this, and the raising up of abundant godly offspring is a means he has ordained to that end. Learn also from Rebecca's example to decisively follow the Lord and to align yourself with God's covenant people. Go decisively to Christ with firm resolve, with no turning back. All the promises of God find their fulfillment in Christ. Answer the call of the gospel willingly, firmly. I will go. Do not linger and do not turn back. Isaac, I think, here is a type of Christ, the sole heir of Abraham and the covenant. In one sense, Abraham has many offspring, but in another sense, he has one offspring through whom the others are made participants. Just as Isaac was that sole heir, so Jesus is that sole heir of Abraham, the promised offspring, through whom Jews and Gentiles may be called children of God and children of Abraham, heirs according to promise. And as Isaac is a type of Christ, so Rebekah would be a type and foreshadowing of the church. As she left all to hasten after Isaac, so the church, like a willing bride devoted to Christ, must hasten after him without delay. As Psalm 45 said of the royal bride, Hear, O daughter, and consider, and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. The servant of Abraham was like a faithful minister of the gospel. The minister is not the bridegroom, but the friend of the bride, who seeks not the devotion of the bride, but to secure her affections and devotion to the groom. As John the Baptist said of Jesus, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is complete. 
He must increase, but I must decrease. Paul used this analogy as well in 2 Corinthians. He said to the church in Corinth, For I feel divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. The church is the bride of Christ to be devoted sincerely, purely, uh, not led astray from Jesus Christ and to hasten after him. Likewise, as Abraham's servant adorned Rebekah, so Christ adorns his bride with virtue, with grace, and makes her glorious. He gave himself for the church to sanctify her, to present her to himself in splendor. We read about that in Ephesians 5, a familiar passage, but we also see it in Ezekiel 16, a less familiar passage. So let me go ahead and read that. It describes how God blessed Israel as his bride. In a very similar way as we see with Rebecca, God says, I clothed you also with embroidered cloth and shod you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk. And I adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. And I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver and your clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. And your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty. For it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. This is the the glory, the splendor that Christ gives his church. That he is working now to make it beautiful even in the eyes of the nations. So Rebecca, yes, firmly consents to this marriage and goes, leaves her homeland to go to Isaac. But lastly, in this long passage, we find the meeting of Isaac. Would Isaac receive Rebecca? Even though Rebecca answered the call of God, went boldly to another land, she no doubt had some uncertainty about this. What would her life be like? What kind of husband would Isaac be? What would Isaac think of her? Would he receive her reluctantly? Would he love her? In verses 62 through 67, we find that Rebekah found a good godly man in Isaac. What was he doing when she found him? He was out meditating in the fields. And then what does Isaac do? He gives her a place to stay in his mother's tent Then he willingly takes her as his wife and loves her and is comforted by her. Later on, we'll find him laughing with or sporting with his wife in a way that proved them to be husband and wife. They had a true affection between the two of them. We'll come to that later. So we see two things, meditation and love. That Isaac was one who was meditating in the fields when she found him. Psalms 1977 and 104 give us godly examples of meditation. We're not talking about uh, other, you know, non-Christian forms of meditation, Buddhist meditation or something like that. But there is a true meditation which is good and godly for sons of Abraham to do. It's a mixture of remembrance and study and consideration and prayer to ponder the truths and works of God, 
to apply them to your circumstances, to lift up these things to God. It's good to be alone for the sake of meditation, to go out into the fields or into your closet, to uh, devote yourself to meditation and thought, pondering these things in your heart and private devotion. Jesus said you should pray to God not only with others, but also in secret. Psalm 77 might be particularly relevant because it's meditation in the context of, of sorrow and anxiety, distressing circumstances. He was seeking comfort. Isaac, too, was not yet comforted after the death of his mother, Sarah, until he married Rebekah. He was probably processing through his grief like Psalm 77 presents, remembering the promises and works of God, calling upon him, appealing to him. No doubt he was also thinking about the servant's mission. Would it be successful? Thinking about this future wife. Then when he takes her, he also loves her. Marriage is designed to be a relationship of love. Human sinfulness can mar this good ordinance of God, and enemies of marriage may cast uh, disparaging comments upon it, but it's meant to be a firm and affectionate union of man and wife that's a delight to them both. Love is a bond, and as man and wife are most closely bound, so they are to most deeply love one another. In this secure and intimate union, love has the deepest soil to plant its roots and to flourish. This love is a duty to be kept up and fostered and exercised because you're still bound closely together whether you love each other or not. And that can prove uh, to be unpleasant when love is not there. But it's also a blessing and a delight as well as a duty. The husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And as he loves his own flesh, you love your flesh, you like it when it's pinched or hurt, you love it. Love your wife. The wife is to love her husband as her own head, as the church ought to love Christ, as the older women in Titus 2 teach the younger women to be lovers of their husbands. The Song of Solomon portrays marriage as that in which the husband and wife both long for each other, delight in each other, love one another with love as strong as death, the flashes of which are flashes of fire, an unquenchable fire, the very flame of the Lord. As the bride says, he brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. Or my beloved is mine, and I am his. That's the way marriage is designed. That's the way it ought to be. That's the way, it, by God's grace, it can be. And that is certainly the way it is between Christ and his church. As the church comes to Christ, it can be assured that as Isaac received Rebekah, so Christ will love her. He has loved her, he will love her forever, and every true member of his bride. And so we come to the end of this passage, find that the faithful servant uh, followed his task to the end and received uh, the bride and brought her to Isaac, a good example of a faithful servant. Rebecca herself was asked whether she would be willing to go, and she responded decisively, I will go. And at the end of the journey, she's brought to Isaac, who was meditating in the fields as a godly son of Abraham, and who took her as his wife and loved her. 
the faithfulness of the servant, the believing resolve of Rebekah, the piety and love of Isaac. They're all things to be imitated by the godly. But most importantly, like them, look to the Lord who showed his steadfast love and faithfulness to all of them. He is merciful and faithful toward his people today as well. His providence is all-encompassing, even as it was then. And he will never leave nor forsake those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord God, we thank you for the love for us that you have granted us through Jesus Christ, your Son, who loved us and gave himself as a sacrifice for us. We thank you for the the home, the security that you have granted to us as a bride has in her husband. We thank you for uh, giving this church a destiny, an eternal hope in which we dwell with you forever. We pray that you would draw in uh, the people, that you would draw in your elect, that you would draw in the lost uh, to this marriage supper, uh, to this feast, uh, to this bride, and to the bridegroom himself, to Jesus Christ. We pray that you would bless the marriages in our church, that you would strengthen them in the bonds of love and godliness. We pray that you would provide good marriages for those who seek them. We pray that through these marriages that you would build up your people, that you would bless the children of your church to possess the gates of your enemies uh, through your grace, through the work of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.